0: All right, welcome to a special episode of The Jig Is Up. Uh, Thanks everybody for listening for the last forty-nine episodes. This is our fiftieth episode, and with me as always is my co-host Jason. Woo hoo! On the fiftieth episode. (laughs) That was actually my daughter Samantha. (laughs) So that was my daughter Samantha and Jason. How are you? I'm feeling (laughs) fifty. Yes, I'm I'm feeling much more mature and more wise. Yeah. Yeah, more gray
1: hairs all the time in this episode, I tell you.
0: <laughs> ah, it's good. It's a fun time. Um so yeah, we had a, our draw for a winner for the CDs, which we did a live video for just before we started taping the episode here, so that was kind of cool. And uh Woo-hoo,
1: Congratulations, Eric.
0: Yes, Eric, Eric won. Um and so we'll be getting his details and shipping these out to you here as soon as we can. And uh yeah. So, how was your uh, how was your long weekend there, Jason? Let's uh, start off with just a little get to get to know how the oh, weekend went. Oh
1: well, let's see. Uh, it's still snowed. It's still cold, and I'm nowhere near planting my corn. So I, I stayed inside by the fire. So it was a good <laughs> weekend.
0: <laughs> well, I actually spent the weekend at uh, in Tanaha Territory at the Ainsworth Hot Springs. Uh, and yeah, so... I've seen that.
1: Yeah, th- thanks for bringing that up again. Like, yeah, like well.
0: I, I kind of had to, you know, I mean, you guys here in Alberta had a really tough, tough weekend weather-wise, and where I was, it was like plus 10, and we had the hot springs, so really, how could you go wrong?
1: Yeah, it, it looked rough.
0: Yeah, oh, it, it was hard to get through. Um, But yeah, it was phenomenal. If everybody's interested in finding out what those are, just do a Google for Ainsworth hot springs, and man, they were phenomenal. Abso- you get to go into a natural hot springs cave. It was really cool. It looked beautiful. Yeah. And the only problem is you can't take pictures in the cave. They don't really turn out well because it's kind of dark in there, but man, it was awesome. So, uh, yeah, so now we did our draw. Now, and this is our 50th episode. We hit some milestones. So, not only are, is it our 50th episode, but we have over 5,000 downloads on Podbean now. So, thank you, everybody, for listening. Oh, our viewers are awesome. Absolutely. And then you uh, said we had how many. Views on our YouTube channel now? Almost
1: 2,000.
0: Wow. So that is a lot of stuff. Uh, man, I, I can't tell you guys how much we appreciate that. That's really awesome. Um, I never thought we'd get to 50th episodes. I know we've said that in the past, but it's kind of like every episode is just uh, like, wow, I can't believe we're here. So, um,
1: yeah. Well, great. and we get more and more, more people uh, listening and more more people watching, so... Uh, it's kind of uh, humbling and that uh, we really appreciate everybody taking the time out of their
0: days to uh, to listen to our ramblings and rantings absolutely absolutely and uh, so yeah and we got a really cool uh, new thing we're gonna start we started up here within the last couple of days that I wanted to let everybody know about um, if you don't know already uh, we have started what's called a patron account and what you can do there is we've set it up so that um, You can pledge a certain amount a month. So you can pledge as less than the cost of Netflix per month. So a dollar, five dollars, uh ten dollars. Or you can start pledging, you know, twenty five dollars, fifty dollars a month. And uh what we're gonna try to do with that is not just, you know, raking a whole bunch of money and try to get, you know, make get rich off being uh podcasters (laughs) as though anybody ever does.
1: Yeah, because there's such a market for rich podcasters.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think we need about 14 million more viewers per week to, or listeners to, uh, to make any real money like Joe Rogan does at this. Um, I think
1: we'd need uh, more, a lot more Canadians to self-indigenize, <laughs> so so we can hit that number.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but what we're going to do with that is, so when you pledge your money, obviously it's per month, so it's going to come out of your uh, credit card. I think every month. And, but what that does is it gives you access to certain rewards. So obviously, the more you you pledge, the higher the reward. And what we're going to try to do is bring you some cool things every month. Like So anybody that signs up in April this month, uh, if you go to our podcast page, up in the top right corner, it says uh, Become a Patron. And if you click there, you'll see kind of what the rewards are. This month, it's like a flag and, and a mug, and you get access to premium content um and you can even for 10 bucks a month at that level i think you uh, we set it so that you can actually call into the show and be part of the show for a few minutes so that's pretty cool um and so yeah we are call in
1: on... and give us the stump question
0: yeah absolutely ooh just stump to... Darcy the expert <laughs> no man you're the professor we can get... it's stump Jason time um yeah. <laughs> so yeah and and what we're going to do with that is we're also going to be looking uh, down the road to be bringing you uh, indigenous art and things like that and, and stuff like that so we're also going to hold things like um i think this month what we're going to do for april is we're going to uh, i have an indi- indigenous artist friend of mine and i'm going to go talk to him and we're going to if we raise over 150 bucks in the month of april so if we get people pledging over 150 bucks a month in total Everyone that signs up in the month of April is going to get entered into a draw for um, an, a print from um, uh, an art, an indigenous artist here that's local to the to Blackfoot territory. And uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna go down this weekend and try to get some live video with them and show you the art that we're gonna be kind of, I guess, drawing names for. And if we don't get over 150 um, pledges, don't worry, that's just going to carry over to the next month until we get uh, enough to do the uh, the, the draw. So some really cool things like that, and we're gonna to try to change it up so you're not always getting a flag and a mug. You can it might be uh, you know, a beaded keychain and stuff like that, or maybe some small art or books or but it's all gonna be indigenous uh artists, indigenous uh products.
1: Ooh, and sadly I can't enter.
0: No, uh if like the like the draw for the CDs, the family and friends of the hosts are not available or not, not eligible.
1: That's, that's terrible. It means
0: I gotta pay full price. <laughs> You know me, I like a deal. Well, absolutely. Who doesn't like a deal? So that's, uh, you know, and, and that's not just for listeners of the show. I mean, this is going to support. We are going to be buying the art and, and products from Indigenous people. We're not just going to get them to donate it for free. So really, if you have friends, and and even if they don't listen to the show, but you want access to maybe these rewards and, and maybe the chance to win some art and things like that, let them, you know, they can go and sign up too. It's open to anybody. That's right. Um. So now,
1: yeah. Let, so we get to support an artist, and any extra money we do make is going to our camp.
0: That yes, that's right. I forgot to mention that. Yes, we're gonna we're going to uh, be transitioning some of that money over to the the Sigitua Métis Meti Cultural Foundation, which is the land based camp that we support. Um. So the more money we get, the more money that's going to go towards that camp. So it's some great causes that the money is going to go towards some, some great things. And uh yeah, I hope you guys get out there and, and pledge. That'd be awesome. And much appreciated.
1: And it's a lot less money than a Tim Hortons copy.
0: That's right. And and you know, you can do small amounts, you can do dollar, five dollars, like we said. Um so don't feel obligated to do fifty bucks a month or something. That's that's a pretty high number for most people. Um But it's okay to feel obligated. <laughs> it will get us there to our, our, our <laughs> targets a lot faster, but That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get the show underway let's actually start our regular show here and uh we actually have some uh, what i think is some really cool news coming out of northern alberta uh, which is fort mckay purchasing all of the land that their community is on um so i don't know jason did you 800 you acres that?
1: yeah the. i mean i'm not a fan of having to purchase land back from the government i think that's stupid but the reality is, is that's where we find ourselves and if we're going to ever get movement forward i think that that they've got the right idea and we've talked about that several times that you know pooling our resources together and getting communities that have access to to those kinds of funds i mean they got 800 acres for their community and that that's a lot of security for the future
0: well and that's a huge chunk of real estate up in that uh, neck of the woods um you know, I know the province has that area, that whole Fort McMurray, Fort Mackay, Chippewa, like the whole Northern Wood Buffalo area on quite a lockdown for uh, expansion and growth. So it's actually really hard for communities, even Fort McMurray, to actually grow, um, which of course then just drives property values through the roof. But um, yeah. so it's, it's, it's quite an amazing deal. I too am not a big fan of having to buy our land back. But you know what? These systems are in place and... It's a much faster solution and I can understand why they did it uh, so I think it's a great thing I'm, I'm really impressed that they they were able to, to manage this um, so I all I can say is congratulations to the entire community of Fort Mackay for you know truly taking control of your of your future
1: absolutely super excited for what this means for their community and now I'll be able to have the certainty over the land so they can really start to move forward with their community and, uh, you know, take on projects and do those kinds of things regarding land-based, uh, you know, um, community events and community planning.
0: Absolutely. And, and you know, the, it's interesting cause I was reading and they, they've already got three or four projects on the works. Um, they've got, uh, big developments, you know, gas stations and, and just, uh, health centers and community projects. Uh, there's new fair grants they're putting in. And so now they have control over all of it as to, how it's built, you know, how it's laid out, all of the designing, everything that goes into it. So I think it's actually quite phenomenal what they've been able to accomplish up there. And, you know, they, they said uh, one comment was that they uh, they wanted to set an example for me other Métis communities as to what you can do. And and I, I do believe that they truly have done that. So, again, con- congrats to them for doing that.
1: That's off, yeah.
0: Um, now that kind of leads into. I, I watched a live video with them, and they were talking about the land uh, d- deal and the land purchase. And uh, you know, it was uh, so they did a lot of talking about that. But they also then ended off the video by starting to talk about um, they were going to be having a meeting to determine, um, <clears throat> I guess, to vote on their being their own self-governing organization or or community. And essentially, what that means is uh, separating from the Métis Nation of Alberta and eliminating them out of their community and simply being their own self-governing entity and to control their own future. And and I thought that's an that's an interesting next step.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, once you have, and and you know, they don't really have a choice because now they are in possession of of their acres. Um, they really need to be able to have that autonomous control
0: yeah absolutely
1: you know uh, and you know so it's it's fracturing in some ways but hopefully you know from our perspective uh, liberating for other communities to know that there's a a movement to create independence for communities but while still networking uh, and strength together right
0: yeah, absolutely, and and you know they they were very political in saying that it, they they fully believe in the Métis Nation and and things like that. It's just that they want to have full and complete control over their own community and their own future, and and I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, I I do wonder what that will look like for the Métis Nation of Alberta moving forward as far as uh, membership. Now I know that Fort Mackay did not have thousands upon thousands of of members up there. Um, However, it is a very strong economic hub and uh, especially in that Fort McMurray area, there's a lot of uh, people up there that are looking to that now going, well, if they can do it, maybe we should start taking notes and start uh, start doing this. So, um, you know, there's, there's uh, Fort Chip up there, there's Conklin, um, and maybe maybe those are communities that now start to really go, you know what, let's start doing the same thing. I don't know.
1: You never know. I, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, from our perspective, I think that's what we'd like to see is more autonomous control by communities dictate their own futures and have direct input into how they resolve this, the, the problems they're facing. Um, but, you know, I know not every community is in the same economic position. And I think that's a, a big challenge. Yeah, absolutely. But hopefully, uh, Hopefully, as this continues forward, uh, that there's something there that we can take away from uh, this, their success in building an autonomous community with uh, now in possession of their own land. So hopefully we can uh, work community by community to, you know, duplicate that process.
0: Well, exactly. And, and, you know, the thing is, is now that somebody has done it, it's kind of broken that seal. Um, so in, in theory, it it might actually make it a lot easier for other communities to begin that process even if it is a ten-year process, um, you know it, they have somebody at least that they can turn to and say, "Hey, well, you know, what did you guys do when you got to this point?" And so they, they kind of led the way and they, and they broke that ground, and now it's it should be easier for other communities to follow. I would, I would hope. I would think.
1: I would hope so. Well, you know, I think there's a, a lot of merit in what they're doing. Um, I think they've been very, very forward-thinking and uh you know i think it's time that um metis communities stood up and and uh took action
0: absolutely yeah absolutely and, I, and you know and it was uh, it wasn't easy for them I, I there's no doubt about that and they they spent a lot of hours uh you know uh people think that to, because they're in the oil sands that you know it was just raining money down and so all they had to do is take their buckets outside and, and collect it but uh <laughs> the truth is, is they've spent years building up to this moment. And, um, I, I, don't think it's fair to detract from all the hard work that they've done. Um, you know, they've built their own corporations, they've built their own relationships with industry, with government, uh, things like that. Um, so this hasn't been an easy road to go. And, and I think they deserve no, Yeah. To like you
1: said, not, yeah, exactly. Not a short road either. Like you said.
0: Yeah. I don't it know what the process, I, I would like to, I'd be curious to see if they had a timeline of, as to how long this really did take, yeah. But
1: well, I know it was a while because they were leasing the land from the government in the first place. So it's there was the whole process of no land to so leasing land to so then purchasing the land. So oh yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, been a process. So
0: yeah, well, and I know that they do have uh, quite a few corporations that are owned by the community, um, which obviously provides a lot of economic stability for them. Um, provides a lot of employment opportunities for their people in the community. And uh, so on that lines, I mean, but those don't, that doesn't happen overnight either. So you've got to build that economic foundation. And that, I'm sure that probably took easily a decade, that in itself. Yeah. So yeah, that's some yeah, pretty absolutely. cool news.
1: It is good. And I'm, I'm so happy that there was an opportunity there and they were able to uh, work hard and capitalize on it.
0: Well, and, and, you know, in all fairness, in the, in the words of reconciliation, I would have to say that, uh, you know, good job on the Alberta government for stepping up and doing what was right here. Um, I mean, like we said, it sucks they had to buy it, but at least the government was willing to, to offer it and to, to go through with the deal. Um, and so, yeah, good good job on their part, too, I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So uh, some other kind of interesting news that uh, I read. um, My voice just went up really high there. I don't know why. Uh, um, Was I read about a new program at the Fraser Valley um, University of Fraser Valley. And it's a new program for a Métis community support worker. And I think that's in their social work field. Uh, And this program will uh, support worker... The Métis Community Support Worker Program will respect and honor Métis culture by creating an ethical space for teaching, learning, and incorporating Indigenous ways of knowing within a university setting. Um, So that's kind of cool, and that's happening out in BC. Uh, So good job to those guys out there for creating that. As far as I know, that's like the real first real Métis program at a university in Canada, I think, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to look at that. But I
1: I was excited to hear about the opening and you know, there's an opportunity for a Metis person to get into university to practice and I think that's great.
0: Well, and they said it's uh there's the funding for sixteen students per year at this point. So that's pretty good. That's pretty decent of.
1: Nice. Sixteen shots.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that was that was kinda of cool. Um and that's kind of all the real good news I got going on. Um we had uh, <laughs> we've had a little bit of issues on on social media today uh so jason you were kind of more in the heart of that so i don't know if you want to jump in and kind of let people know what was happening and 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 where we're at oh
1: well as as usual um you and i Darcy, are pretty open about social media we tend not to block people we tend to believe in open dialogue and try to create platforms where we can do that even when people disagree with us i think uh What you see going on today in our personal in the Métis page, you know, for our organization is you have nationalists in there who are taking opportunity to try to bait people in a conversation. And again, use what, what's happening out of context. And the the part I got issue with is some of the comments that I made personally were then screenshot and then pulled over to out of Facebook and into Twitter where they have, have me totally blocked. So then I can't engage or rebuff any of the comments. And it's really unacceptable social behavior in social media. I know lots of other forms that have nothing to do with indigenous topics at all, where screenshotting conversations is an instant ban. Yeah, so Well,
0: what I thought was interesting about it was, um, you have the the whole thing started because um, somebody was sharing a meme of a quote that Maria Campbell had said. And Maria Campbell I don't know, maybe she didn't remember saying it or whatever, but she said she'd like it taken down. She didn't that was she didn't support the use of her image in that way. And so once this person who, who was sharing it felt, was told that Maria Campbell was not happy with that, she took it down. She publicly apologized on the same page that she had it on. Um <clears throat> now as far as I'm concerned you know the, the, this was tried to ta- They tried to take this in a couple different directions. First, it was disrespecting a um, a Métis elder, or well, first of it was it was uh, using quotes that were never said. Then, when it was shown that well, it was actually said. Then it was disrespecting a, a Métis elder, and the thing that I have a hard time with that is, is um, they wanted to like basically tar and feather this this person who posted it or shared it. They weren't the author of it, and. The truth is, is uh, I've been in Indigenous circles and I've made mistakes. I've been in ceremonies where I, I made a mistake, I did whatever. Um, that Indigenous elder is never a vendetta holder. Um, that Indigenous elder is one who, if you make amends for it, then you move on. You don't hold that against people. And so I honestly think uh, a, a sincere apology to Maria Campbell and removing it. And publicly saying that, hey, you know, this is why I removed it and I apologize. I think that would probably be enough. And I think that's pretty respectful. But they, that didn't seem to please anybody. So I. I,
1: No, and then the conversation just migrates to using, using that elder then and that comment for political propaganda gain was what, what the conversation turned to next.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, they're they're screaming that you're using quotes out of context, and then they go and take screenshots to take them to a place where you can't rebuttal it, and it's taken totally out of context because you don't get to see... Nobody on that other site gets to see what they were saying to lead up to your comment. So it's a very yeah. shady way of doing things. And like you said, I mean, in most places that gets you banned. And, uh, you know, I mean, come on. Let, let's at least be adults on on stuff like this. I mean, we can have discussions. We can even have differences. Sometimes we'll make mistakes, but you know, I, I don't see the point of beating up on people if they make a mistake. If they apologize and they publicly apologize, yay, hey, we're all good. I mean,
1: yeah, exactly. That that should be the end of it. We learn from our mistakes and we move on. Uh, you know, we do that together by by staying positive, building bridges, and then we do. We correct each other when we're wrong, and that's what we do. Exactly. But when you're you're trying to bait people and then cut and paste conversations, you know, that's, you know, how old are we, you know, trying to be here on social media? Do we have no ethics at all anymore?
0: Well, that's just it. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, I mean, it's the same kind of group of people. It's the same kind of trolley behavior that they normally engage in, Uh, you know, on this uh, Twitter Thing It was, uh, like, they've banned, they've blocked my wife, they've, who has nothing to do with any of this stuff. (laughs) Um, You know, and just, they've kind of blocked everybody that can rebuttal anything they have to say or has anything to say that's maybe opposite their opinion. They've completely blocked them out and, and used this very public forum um, to basically spout whatever they want and, and shape the conversation the way they want it. And, and again, that's very, even off this topic, it, it's a very shady thing to do.
1: Well, the thing is, it makes it very hard to build bridges. It makes, it makes it hard to build consensus. It makes us hard to unify on any front when the only time we can have a conversation, if it's my way or the highway. Yeah. You know, I have people who follow me on Twitter and who I follow who we absolutely disagree. Yep. And we've had lengthy conversations in those social media platforms and still continue to disagree. But neither of us blocked anybody.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Because that's what respectful conversation between adults is about.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and and, and that's to say that, I mean, with all of this polarization, like you're either with us or you're against us. And, well, no, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, we're not fighting for, uh, you know. I don't even know what, but it's it's not all, you know, all or nothing. We we can kind of all share. We can all be ourselves. And uh, I just find it very difficult these days. And, and to be honest, I've kind of really disengaged from social media in a lot of ways because I don't, uh, I just can't deal with it anymore. I mean, when, how many times do you have to argue with people before you go, you know what, that's just, there's no point to it.
1: Well, when it's no longer a discussion and it turns into people berating you and accusing you of things, um, where we start to see that Métis people are sliding into this political uh, arena of how the settlers do their politics, uh, you know, and it's it's very divisive. It creates wide gaps, uh, and it's very polarizing. And I think that is probably the least indigenous way to conduct any kind of conversation. You know, we're supposed to be in the circle to hear what everybody has to say and try to build consensus, even when we absolutely disagree.
0: Yeah, for sure. One thing I've noticed, though, too, a lot um, in the way, just, I guess, having stepped back from a lot of the online discussions or arguments, I've I've noticed a lot that certain, you know, the certain individuals that are involved in this really like to play the victim role. Uh, so no matter what is said or what they do, it's always... They're being attacked, and they're the pro. You know, poor, poor, pitiful me. Um, I mean, I've even had people call me, uh, you know, a lot of names on there. And then when I say, you know, well, gee, I, I, I never said anything to you, so, well, now you're attacking them, and it just gets to be this victim ego thing, and and so I actually kind of feel bad in a lot of ways that this stuff has to happen because all it does is hurt. It hurts everybody. It hurts our objectives, it hurts our goals, it hurts our, you know, desire to even be on social media. Um, I know there's been several times where I've, I've said to my wife, I really don't know why I'm even on Facebook anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so but you, you stay because there are a lot of great people on there. And I think if we, it, you know, there's a block feature and I have blocked people and it, it actually makes a difference. Yeah. Um, But then again, you don't get to engage in the conversations. So uh, that's kind of Well, up until today, I've never
1: blocked anybody on social media because I'm a firm believer in open dialogue, even when we disagree. I think, though, that if there has to be some ground rules, if you go into a conversation and you come into a Facebook group or something like that and you start slinging shade on everybody and then uh, people call you on it, you can't immediately throw up the white flag and say, "Oh, everybody's picking on me. I'm I'm a victim here." You you know, yeah. you got to put on your your big person pants and and accept the fact that if you're gonna throw shade, you got to take it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that was uh you know, but it always creates some excitement. Um, I was like when I was thinking about the show tonight, like, geez, what are we gonna talk about tonight? So I had these couple of topics and then. All of a sudden, all that went on, and I'm like, well, I guess we have, uh, you know, talking points again tonight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Never a dull moment if you take five minutes to goof around on social media.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So. Yes, because what started out as an innocuous
1: thing, you know, turns into a full-blown five fire alarm here.
0: Oh Well, that's just it. And, I, and like I said before, I mean, really, this could have all been handled with an absolute... Like with a phone, first of all, with a phone call to whoever it was that was sharing it, um, or you know, it could have been handled so much better. But it gets in the hands of these people that want to propagate this war between East versus West, and you know, I seen this a little bit earlier. Um, you know, people are sharing certain academics' quotes about how Eastern metis are, you know, they're fighting with the First Nations on the East Coast and. And uh, they don't respect their First Nations and things like that. And, oh, how evil are these Eastern wannabe Métis? And then I got to thinking, you know, it wasn't that long ago that uh, I believe it was David Chartran that said to one of the chiefs of the Assembly of Manitoba chiefs on an airplane, um, you know, you guys don't own the land. And he was, it was in regards to, I think, a pipeline deal or some sort of energy deal when, when he was asked by this chief. Um, and then you look at some of the comments from, uh, people like Isidore Day and things like that. And, you know, if you're going to apply this metric or this measuring stick to Eastern Métis about their relationship with First Nations, you really should be applying that to your own nation first, um, because they don't exactly have a great relationship with First Nations either.
1: Terrible. A terrible First record. Mm-hmm. It's so completely myopic and shows how cognitively, cognitively dissonant they are in that they sit there and they talk about uh, all the problems that Eastern Métis have and how Eastern Métis are uh, self-indigenizing. And they think they stand on some paragon of virtue when it comes to how the Métis nation has dealt with its First Nations relations in its discussion with land, when its discussion with resource deals. I mean, you brought up Isidore Day. I can tell you he has no love lost for the MNO in Ontario, and they're continually signing resource extraction deals to go through First Nations territories. Yeah. You know, and it's horrible. And then you have the Métis Nation in, in Alberta here saying, oh, no, there's no one with Blackfoot blood who could be Métis ever. Yeah. Well, are they going to start redrawing the Métis homeland map so it stops at the Red Deer River?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it yeah, it's it's, you know, uh, and that's I think well, a lot of this boils down for me is is if it's a very hypocritical uh positioning to take. Are there Eastern Métis people that maybe are con artists? Sure. Is there mm-hmm. some shady people out there? Sure. But guess what? Yep. There's shady people in every province, in every ethnicity, in every social group, in every you know, you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, every car club has some people that nobody likes. Uh, you know, that happens. That's called being people. Uh, but you can't claim, and 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 I've actually seen nationalists claim that their organizations are absolutely 100% perfect. It's just those Eastern Métis that are dirty. Um, and the truth is, is if you go through their financials, there is nothing clean about how these organizations are run, There's nothing clean about some of the deals they make. We talked about one last week. Um, But you look at their travel expenses. Look at their legal costs and and things like that. And none of that makes sense. Um, And then you add to, to me, it's worse because we're talking millions of dollars of taxpayer money. So you want to critique Eastern Métis for what? For what benefits they get? For trying to... Okay, there's a shady guy out there trying to get uh you know, trying to turn a Metis card into a status card and, and shyster some some tax benefits at a gas station. Okay. That's pretty shady. But that's not millions of dollars. And he got booted do- for his trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you his know, organization he,
1: he got booted him out. for his trouble. And, and yeah, so but where's where's the uh, two million dollars in management fees?
0: Yeah, where's the like four or five thousand dollars per day of travel going? Um, Where's the uh, leader
1: elected by you know nationally with only 55 votes? Where's yeah, the accountability and transparency? You know,
0: exactly. Like it, it just baffles me. It boggles my mind. You know, because we we are talking about taxpayer money. That they, they have to be more responsible. They just have to. And yet, it's the Eastern Métis that are the real financial problem here.
1: <laughs> well, and I find that's the real conversation that the, that doesn't want to happen, and I think that's why they do such a good job on blocking everybody, because they don't want to have that conversation, is that the reality that Métis people, even if they were all 100% a fraud, trying to self-indigenize and be Métis, I don't understand for what purpose, because they're not going to get anything.
0: Exactly. They're not getting any like f- the, funding. Well, we're not. I mean, let's face facts. Unless we
1: start getting united together and start really pushing for something, it's going to be another decade before we see one benefit roll out of that Daniels win. And so what the heck is the point of self-indigenizing as Métis? You don't get nothing for it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're looking at, uh if we started a court case today, you're looking at 20 years before you get a court decision to say, oh, yes, yes or no, there is Métis out there then you can maybe start yeah. the process of trying to work towards getting some funding for an organization. Um, but I mean, so you're well, looking like, at an a-
1: organization, a single benefit, if it was going to be a health yeah. benefit or a tax benefit or an education benefit, you and I will be in our bloody sixties and our kids will be well past the age of getting into any kind of a university at all yes. before that happens. So I don't understand the point of this divide when we have one organization that's getting millions and millions of dollars to for these Métis programs and, and a bunch of other Métis who get nothing. Well, exactly. Where's the real imbalance here about weight of conversation? Where should we be looking about how things are being done?
0: Exactly. You know? Exactly. And there, there has to be some more accountability put into these these organizations that do get funding. Uh, and I, And I'm lumping even cap in there at the same time. They have to be accountable. Mm-hmm. All First Nations have to be accountable for the money they spend. And, uh, you know, when I, when I, last time when we were doing, um, talking numbers, you know, you go through, uh, the books for the assembly of first nations and it's very detailed. They spent X amount of travel for the inquiry. They spent X amount of travel for you know, this particular program. They, so they have to break it down in the travel for each thing that they traveled for so that the government's satisfied. And then you come to, like, these, uh, you know, the Métis Nation organizations and CAP, and it's, we spent a million and a half dollars in travel. But on what? Like, (laughs) were you just traveling the provinces, checking out your friends? Like, uh, what did you spend it on? So there's there's no accountability.
1: And, And I think that's the problem, is we're not focusing on the priorities. Are there people out there being fraudulent? Absolutely. Are there people trying to take advantage of the system? Absolutely. Are there people who are self-indigenizing? Absolutely. That's not that's not new. No. Um, and I don't think there's these scare numbers that they like to believe or Métis. now, you know, the masses of Canada are self-indigenizing at an alarming rate out east. Yeah. We talked about the the StatsCan reports when they first came out, and the reality is Alberta still has the largest and fastest growing population of Métis people in the province. Yes. So proportionally by the numbers, the number of Metis people in Ontario and Quebec and even in the Maritimes is so statistically low compared to the population the rest of the population in those provinces that I don't know what anybody's bloody worried about.
0: I, I don't know. In either. fact,
1: they're 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 in with all they're in with all probable norms. And you and I both know given the fact that we're still recovering from the 60 scoops trauma, we got to the adoption traumas, then the ongoing people in prisons and, and all the kids still going into care, that we should see an, a rising number where we're recovering from these traumas and people reasserting their identity. That should be the norm.
0: It should not, be, yes.
1: Not some stark, you know, thing that we need to be afraid of.
0: Well, absolutely. You know, and it's just, it's frustrating because when I, when I talk about, uh, you know, Eastern Métis and things like that, like when, when I think about what this battle for identity really does, you know, it, 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 the people it really hurts are the people, like the kids going into care and stuff like that on the East Coast because they don't get any help from anybody. They're not part of any statistic. Um, and there's so there are Indigenous people not being counted, not being looked after, not being cared for. And, and literally nobody ca- seems to care. The government doesn't care because Carolyn Bennett's pretty cool with just, you know, you have to sue us for us to recognize you as indigenous. Um, the Métis Nation doesn't care because, hey, there's no Métis on the East Coast, so we don't care. Um, so these, a lot of these people are left out in the cold and <clears throat> that happens across the country, but, You know, at least across the country, you can, you know, identify as Indigenous. On the East Coast or in the eastern provinces, those statistics just don't matter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the real problem when we continue to kick Métis people, uh, you know, uh, to the curb, is that they end up on the roadside, falling through the cracks, and the problems that that are inherent with uh, things like the murder of missing women continue to be a huge problem out East. Because there's no one to track. There's no one, none of this numbers makes any sense, right?
0: Well, and then all of the solutions are, none of them are going to have anything to do with, uh, you know, East Coast Métis. They're going to have to do with some of the First Nations out there and then the rest of Canada, but, and that's it. So even when they, if, even if this inquiry in the MMIW was miraculously wonderful, which I don't know how that's going to happen now, but, Even if it did churn out some some real solutions and they actually acted on those, none of those would help our Indigenous youth out in the East Coast or our women and girls out on the East Coast that are still fighting to just even get recognized as being Indigenous, as being Métis. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think there's a huge, people underestimate hugely the fact that, that the province of Quebec to this day, just like BC, doesn't have any signed treaties. And yeah. so there's no recog- there's no formal recognition even of the the Indigenous First Nations there, uh, and their traditional territories. Yeah. So it's very easy for people in the West who have generationally had treaties to to at least have a backbone to argue from. Uh, to remember that if if our First Nations communities don't have a treaty and don't have the recognized land claims, how are maintaining communities going to fare within that framework?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, it's it's just a whole raft of issues and, and I think a lot of this social media stuff really just brings that up. Um and it's very difficult to deal with because I mean you know, I live here in Alberta, it's actually a lot easier for me. I'm a white passing male, so there's a lot of privilege in that. Um and I just simply will never be an MMIW statistic. Um But my daughter could and her friends could. And uh, what if her friends happen to be Eastern Métis living in Alberta? then they don't get to count towards MMIW statistics. They don't get to count towards kids in care. Like these programs got to help everyone or they're helping no one. Yeah.
1: Or we, we, we create two classmates in right.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: That, that's the, my biggest concern is with this conversation is we go down and we buy right into the colonial mindset, just like there's, status and non-status indians is essentially what what this conversation is turning into is it's going to be status Metis and non-status matey and and what a tragedy that would be if we continue to let that conversation continue unchecked
0: yes yeah absolutely you know and and actually this leads into um a, a, i guess a kind of what we're going to be doing tomorrow night there's an event that uh i'm going to be recording at and you're i don't think you're going to be calling in Jason, but. Uh, Um, it's going to be a community conversation about, uh, internalized racism, internalized hate, uh, some of that pain. So it's basically along, all along the lines of the things we're talking about tonight. And, uh, it's going to be a community conversation. So hopefully there's more people than just me and my wife there. Um, (laughs) otherwise it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be several people there and we're going to kind of get some perspectives from not just Métis people, but, uh. Uh, From what I understand, there may be a a 60 Scoop Survivor there, so we'll get some information from them and and some feedback. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to it for the content of what the conversation is going to be because it's really going to be an extension of what we've just talked about, which is that not only Métis identity, but really that internalized racism that, as Indigenous people, we all experience. Um, And we experience it because of colonialism because of, you know, um, various forms of religion. Uh, but we, we experience that. And some people actually start to hate themselves. Um, I know an Indigenous man that uh, if, if he could choose his skin colour, it would not be brown. You know, so it's, it's very damaging, and I think it's going to be a great conversation to have.
1: Well, I, I really like those community circles to talk in. And listen, because I think it's those moments that really help us get a perspective on where we should be focusing our conversations and where we should be focusing our organization and and our time, because that's not where it's at. And we, we look at what these survivors tell us of these you know horrific tragedies, and it, it does put things back into perspective of what you know what we should really be focusing on.
0: Absolutely. And, and and that's the thing is, I mean, once you start to realize that there's more people out there that are experiencing these things and it, you're not alone and you're not crazy. It it actually is happening. Um, you know, it, it actually does a lot of healing for a lot of other people um, that hear these conversations and realize they're not alone. Um, I've had recent experiences of uh, very much of, of internal uh, hate. Uh, towards myself and uh, you know it's very hard it's hard to let that stuff go but then when you realize oh well I'm not the only one it's not like just I'm special it's that person does that to everybody and even mm-hmm. though it's still hard to let go you you can start to let that go and I, I hope that's what tomorrow night's conversation does is uh, so it'll be on a, and it'll actually air next week and next Tuesday but uh, we're recording it tomorrow night but I hope that's what it, it does for people Is I hope it provides a way for them to to hear that conversation and maybe identify with people and say, hey, that's a, that story is very similar to mine. And, uh, you know, maybe we can start some healing from it.
1: And I think that's what's important, being creating these spaces, creating these circles, sharing our stories so that we can heal and that we can move forward and we, as a stronger people together.
0: Absolutely. Because, I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's what it's really about, is the community you live in. Those are the people you know, you're with every day and you're around every day. And, and that matters. And we need to make sure that our community is as healthy as we can. And, uh, so I really, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it should be good. I think
1: like more people should make it out, whether you've personally experienced trauma or not, whether you've been like, like me and mostly white passing and, and got a skate through, you know, I, uh, you know, I, cause I'm adopted and didn't find out till I was older that I, th- I think it's to spend time in there because we're, we're all links in that chain.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, even to, you know, if you haven't personally experienced it or you don't think you have, uh, even to be there or like you said, or listen and, and realize what other people are experiencing and what that looks like so that you can spot that when you're out and about. Um, cause it is present. It is, there's a lot of events I go to where I, I do see that. And it's not just in indigenous cultures. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's, it's within a lot of, uh, almost every oppressed group um, experiences that. Um, so, you know, it's out there and, and uh, it's something that we we definitely need to bring to light and talk about. And and it's, you know, get rid of the dirty little secret. We don't need to worry about it anymore. We need to talk about it. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
1: yeah. I look forward to it. Absolutely. Hearing, hearing all about it.
0: Yes. So that will be next week's episode. Unfortunately, we won't be hearing from Jason next week. i'm sure
1: everyone will be heartbroken
0: (laughs) well you just get on that social media and then you start creating some shit and make some notes and we'll when two weeks from now we'll be back Mm -hmm. and you have lots to talk about
1: (laughs) i have nothing to talk about everyone will just block me (laughs) (laughs) post post things where i can't even see it yeah i'm back
0: just talk about you right
1: yeah just talk about me and then i don't know i'll have to ask everybody else so what did they say about me this
0: week (laughs) oh that's awesome well, yeah. make, making friends and influencing people, that's what it's all about for you, isn't it, Jason? Well, I don't know. I
1: haven't got my hands on a copy of that book. I don't know if I'm doing well or not.
0: <laughs> well, I think today you did not. I did not. I was a failure. <laughs> uh, any any other things you want to talk about, Jason? Any final thoughts you want to get off your chest?
1: Uh, no, I think it's good. I, I hope people... Uh, Are willing to partner with us as we try to promote indigenous artists and and uh you know all things are culture related and you know keep tuning in and you know uh make the podcast all that it is by keeping to listening and sharing and uh you know checking out our youtube and hitting the like and the subscribe buttons you know without uh listenership and people sharing what we do it doesn't you know we won't be here for very long
0: that's right, and uh, we will be putting up, uh, I'm going to be trying to piece together something um, for that uh, pledge content only so that you'll have access to unique content for the show. Um, and I believe we can do some videos and stuff like that, so it may be a combination of videos and and you know podcast episodes that nobody else gets to hear. So it is premium content just for you if you pledge $5 a month or more. Um,
1: That's right. So we're working on having special guests and those kinds of things, special events.
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's the thing is that part of it is I do want to get the show where we can maybe get out to more events and actually get out and be talking to people out in communities or just going to communities and getting those community stories. So um, that is part of this, too, is bringing you a better show altogether for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so every every dollar matters.
1: And if you pledge $50 a month it's not on the page but Darcy and I will call you personally on your
0: birthday. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh well that might entice people to not pledge. I don't know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Can, and if you don't want us to if you don't want us to call, yeah. you can pledge
0: $50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what we should do. Oh, well. All right, well that's all I got for tonight. So on uh, for Jason and I, I want to appreciate, I want to say, I thank everybody for for listening for the last fifty episodes and uh, last last five thousand downloads and how God only knows how many YouTube video views that we got. Um, you guys are what it's all about for us on the show. And uh, yeah, so until next time, get out there and be a good ancestor. And until next week, the jig is up. spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land. And it will be a fire that doesn't burn, but a fire that cleanses. A fire that ignites in our hearts and creates light. No more living in darkness. Our time now